Good evening, everybody. Let's see what time it is. It is 8.30 on Wednesday, May 13th. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, I'm going re- to record and chat a little bit about Chapter 5, Part 2. And this is really where your homework begins. Um, I'm really not – I don't even want to pull up your homework assignment because I don't want to deliberately skip questions and I don't want to deliberately – answer questions. I'm just going to kind of do my thing. Um, hopefully I'll give you enough context and enough help so that, um, you're still doing some thinking on your own, but you're also not totally confused. So let's get started. All right. So we ended on, I'm in the paperback. We ended on page 95 in the paperback where Gatsby says, I want you and Daisy to come over to my house. I'd like to show her around. Okay. Remember this is part of the plan the whole time. Gatsby specifically wanted Daisy to come to Nick's house for tea so that he could then show her his home. So we know that there's something about like he knows that the the wow factor of his money is a big deal. So um, let's let's do it. Okay, so they go over and on the walk over, there's this really important conversation where um, – he says it took Gatsby says to Nick his, where it says it took me just three years to earn the money that bought it. And then Nick says, I thought you inherited your money. And he said, I did old sport. He said automatically, but I lost most of it in the big panic, the, the panic of the war. I think he hardly knew what he was saying for when I asked him what his business was, he answered, that's my affair before he realized that it wasn't an appropriate reply. Okay. So, um, we want to establish here coming back to this notion of like, there's something Gatsby isn't telling us. He still has a secret because he won't tell Nick how he earned the money. And at the exact same time, he, Nick like catches him in a lie when he's like, wait a minute, you told me in the car the other day that you inherited all your money. Um, so he catches him in a lie. And then when he asks him like, Oh, that's really interesting. Like, tell me what you did to, to earn your money. He doesn't, say at first. And then he said, then he catches himself and he says, well, I've been in several things. He corrected himself. I was in the drug business and then I was in the oil business, but I'm not in either one now. He looks at me with more attention. Do you mean that you've been thinking what I proposed the other night before I could answer? Daisy came out of the house. Guys, I'm drinking a little tea tonight. So, um, that was me drinking tea. Okay. So he initially, he's like, I don't want to talk about what I do for a living. And then he's like, Oh, I did a little bit of this. And when he says drug business, um, he's not saying that he's a drug dealer. He means I'm assuming, well, no, I'm not assuming I'm telling you right now. He's not saying I was a drug dealer. Um, okay. So let's, so they go over and, um, I want to read this cause like Gatsby's clearly showing off here. Okay. Instead of taking the shortcut along the sound, we went down the road and entered by the big postern. With enchanting murmurs, Daisy admired this aspect or that of the feudal silhouette against the sky, admired the gardens, the sparkling odor of jonquils, and the frothy odor of hawthorn and plum blossoms, and the pale gold odor of the kiss me at the gate. So she's admiring all the flowers. It was strange to reach the marble steps and find no stir of bright dresses in and out the door and hear no sound but bird voices in the trees. All right. So one thing that we would have talked about in class specifically that I would never expect you to find on your own, but that I probably would have trained you pretty well by now if we were in class to see is that um, one major theme in the book here is time, time, people. And in chapter five, 
F. Scott Fitzgerald lays it on a little thick. And I know maybe some of you more skeptical readers of literature may be saying, like, what do you mean? You know, why is the author, like, giving us clues but not telling us? And this is what I'm trying to tell you, is that in a work of literature, right, you have a plot. It's an immediate plot. In this, we have, like, this this um, love between two people that got interrupted and now he's back in town, which is a really cool plot. You know, a lot of, a lot of people find that plot appealing. Um, but in the telling of the story, F. Scott Fitzgerald is also able to um, build themes, which are these really almost paradoxical concepts. And by paradoxical, I mean that he is going to make an argument about time, but the argument is going to be complicated so complicated that he may even, what's the word I'm looking for? Contradict himself. My point is, is that he's trying to expose the complexities of time. Time is a very complicated thing, people. And um, it seems very simple, right? You say to yourself, oh, time is very simple. We move forward. We cannot go back. Well, that's an interesting thought. If you've ever experienced a loss, um, it's not so easy to say we can go forward and we cannot go back. Many people spend a lot of time daydreaming about going back. If you've ever experienced a trauma, um, I would say in some cases we're living through one right now, maybe not a capital T trauma, but it's sort of like this shared traumatic experience of losing a lot. Maybe some of you um, have lost a lot more than others, but be, like time now you're thinking, oh my gosh, just two months ago, my life was totally normal. Oh my gosh, the rest of the, you know, the rest of my junior year may be completely different. So now that you're living through this, you're kind of thinking like I was wasting time or I wish I could go back in time or, you know, all these things about time. And the older you get, I'm not kidding you, ask your parents, the older you get, the weirder time gets. And again, it's a very simple concept, but it's not. So along with the theme of the American dream, time is a really big theme in this book. And I'll bring it up to you when it occurs. The one thing, the, the, the character that I want you guys associating with the concept of time is Gatsby, okay? He's the guy that has the time issue. And, and that will become clear as we keep reading. But if you were Fitzgerald and you wanted to associate a character with a concept like time, how would you do that? That's a good question. Well, if you remember, guys, in the first part of chapter five, Gatsby was standing in the living room really nervously, really awkwardly in front of Daisy. And what object did Gatsby knock over? That's right. You guessed correctly. He knocked over a clock. Right? There we go. That's association number one with Gatsby in time is the clock that he knocks over. He doesn't break the clock, but he's very concerned that he knocked it over. Okay. Another sip of tea. So here we go. They get in the house. And the reason why I want to bring this whole concept of time up is we're back on page 96. Here we go. As an inside, as we wandered through Marie Antoinette music rooms and restoration salons, I felt that there were guests concealed behind every couch and table under orders to be breathlessly silent until we had passed through. Oh, dang it. I don't, I got to turn this off. And yet I think I'm okay. Okay. Um, sorry guys. Um, so at, as Gatsby closed the door of the Merton college library, I could have sworn I heard old owl eyed man break into ghostly laughter. Pause for a second in Gatsby's home. They mentioned that there are Marie Antoinette music rooms and restoration salons. 
All you need to know is that these rooms are decorated in the style of a historical period. Okay, so Marie Antoinette is a figure, famous figure in France during the French Revolution. Restoration salons. We're, he's decorating the rooms with that are reminiscent of another time. This theme continues. It says we went upstairs through period bedrooms, meaning like the bedrooms are decorated in accordance with a certain period, time period. So through period bedrooms swathed in rose and lavender silk with vivid new flowers, through dressing rooms and pool rooms and bathrooms with sunken baths, intruding into one chamber where a disheveled man in pajamas was doing liver exercises on the floor. Okay, got to pause here because now we're getting into something else. Before we talk about this guy, this random guy who's in Gatsby's house right now, I just want to make a note about time. Did you hear all those things? Okay, keep that in mind. Okay, so moving on on the bottom of page 96, in one of the rooms we come across, I'm going to read this again, a disheveled man in pajamas doing liver exercises on the floor. So there's a guy who's a hot mess and he's in his PJs. And, and Nick tells us it was Mr. Clipspringer, the quote border. And his nickname is the border because he never leaves Gatsby's house. Nick says, I had seen him wandering hungrily about, about the beach that morning. Finally, we came to Gatsby's own apartment, a bedroom and a bath and an Adam study where we sat down and drank a glass of some chartreuse he took from the cupboard in the wall. He hadn't once ceased looking at Daisy. And I think he he revalued everything in his house according to the measure respo- the measure of response it drew from her well loved eyes oh let's read that sentence again i think he revalued everything in his house according to the measure of response it drew from her well loved eyes so basically gatsby is watching daisy look at the house and that's how he now values things is how much does daisy love it um okay It says, sometimes too, he stared around at his possessions in a dazed way, as though in her actual and astounding presence, none of it was any longer real. Once he nearly toppled down a flight of stairs. Again, it's this nervous energy that he has, right? That, so he's taking her, touring her around the home, staring at her as she looks at everything. And he's so nervous that he almost tumbles down a flight of stairs. Okay. Um... So then Gatsby says to Nick, it's the funniest thing, old sport, he said hilariously. I can't when I try to. And then Nick comments, he had passed visibly through two states and was entering upon a third. After his embarrassment and his unreasoning joy, he was consumed with wonder at her presence. He had been full of the idea so long, dreamed it right through to the end, waited with his teeth set, so to speak, at an inconceivable pitch of intensity. Now, in the reaction, he was running down like an overwound clock. Yeah, you heard that last word right. An overwound clock. Again, we get this connection between Gatsby and time. In addition to the clock metaphor, though, I want to, um, or simile, sorry, I want to go back to what Nick is saying here. Gatsby can like hardly comprehend He can hardly take in Daisy touring his house because he had, quote, dreamed it right through to the end. Now, Gatsby, he is a dreamer, and he has fantasized about this moment for five straight years. And it's not just this moment that he has fantasized about. It's what's going to happen after this moment. Joe, do you need me? 
Oh, never mind. Sorry. Okay. It's what's going to happen after this moment that he's also fantasized about, which I'm sure you can guess. He believes that they're going to be in love forever together. He has pictured it so vividly. Um, and the dream is so real to him that you will kind of see him um, pursue it with an intensity. Okay. So here we go. Oh my gosh. I have to read this whole thing out loud basically because every moment is so important. Recovering himself in a minute, he opened for us two hulking patent cabinets. Remember, we're in his bedroom, which held his mass suits and dressing gowns and ties and his shirts piled like bricks in stacks a dozen high. I've got a man in England who buys me clothes. He sends over a selection of things at the beginning of each season, spring and fall. He took out a pile of shirts and began throwing them one by one before us. Shirts of sheer linen and thick silk and fine flannel, which lost their folds as they fell and covered the table in many-colored disarray. While we admired, he brought more and more of the in the soft, rich heap mounted higher. Shirts with stripes and scrolls and plaids and coral and apple. And green and lavender and faint orange with monograms of Indian blue. Suddenly, with a strained sound, Daisy bent her head into the shirts and began to cry stormily. They're such beautiful shirts, she sobbed, her voice muffled in the thick folds. It makes me sad because I've never seen such, such beautiful shirts before. Guys, she's not crying about the shirts. If we were in class, I would stop you right here and say, why is Daisy Buchanan bawling her eyes out right now? And all of you know the answer. Why is she so sad? She knows. And I'm just going to tell you flat out. I'm sure this is a question on the sheet that we made. Okay, here we go. Why is she sad? She married Tom Buchanan. Why did she marry Tom Buchanan? Well, you can guess because he had the cash, right? Why didn't she wait for... Why didn't she wait for Jay Gatsby to get home from the war? Maybe because he didn't have the cash. And now, guess what? He's back in town, and he's got the cash. And here, here Daisy is, over in her crappy marriage, with a husband who is constantly having an affair. So, yeah, she's crying. She said she's crying over shirts, but she's not crying over shirts. Okay. Now, more important points. They keep they continue through the house, and they see the grounds, and the swimming pool, and the hydroplane. And, um, and all of this stuff. And then it says they're standing, um, outside Gatsby's window. It began to rain again. So we stood in a row looking at the corrugated surface of the sound. If it wasn't for the mist, we could see your home across the bay, said Gatsby. You always have a green light that burns all night at the end of your dock. Okay. Again, sound the alarm. <laughs> Symbol alert, people. Symbol alert. Now, before you start rolling your eyes at me, you want to ask yourself, what is the green light being associated with? That's a good question. I'm not going to answer it right here on this podcast because I want you to think about it. When's the first time we saw it? Who is it? Who, who lives near the green light? Who looks at the green light? Daisy put her arm through his abruptly, but he seemed absorbed in what he had just said. Possibly it, it had occurred to him that the colossal significance of that light had now vanished forever. Compared to the great distance that had separated him from Daisy, it had seemed very near to her, almost touching her. It had seemed as close as a star to the moon. Now it was again a green light on a dock. His count of enchanted objects had diminished by one. It, is that not just beautiful prose? Okay, so, so in answering the question, what does the green light represent? 
when he looked at it, like what did he envision? And why now is the magic of the green light gone in the moment that she is standing next to him? I don't really want to answer this for you right now because I want you to think about it. All right. They go, they walk. I began to walk about the room and then Nick sees this photograph on the wall and he says, um, who's this? And Gatsby says that that's Mr. Dan Cody, old sport. Um, and then Gatsby goes on to say, he's dead now. He used to be my best friend years ago. Um, okay. So it's a picture of Dan Cody and Gatsby and they're on a yacht together. And Gatsby looks like he's about 18. Um, okay. So they're standing there and they're examining it side by side. And then, um, a phone rings and Gatsby picks up the phone. And he says, yes, well, I can't talk now. I can't talk now, old sport. I said a small town. He must know what a small town is. Well, he's no use if it's, if he's no use to us if Detroit is his idea of a small town. He rang off. Come here quick, cried Daisy at the window. Um, okay, so then they look out the window and then um, there's kind of this, I don't want to say pause, but Gatsby in his nervous energy says, um, I know what we'll do, said Gatsby. We'll have Clipspringer play the piano. And then they, it says, he went out to the piano room calling Ewing and returned in a few minutes, accomplished by an embarrassed, slightly worn young man with shell-rimmed glasses and scanty blonde hair. So this random guy, Ewing Clipspringer, you know, the guy who's, um, they found in the random room, he says, hey, come play something for us. Um, and Clipspringer's kind of rude. He says, I was asleep, cried Clipspringer in a spasm of embarrassment. That is, I'd been asleep, then I got up. So this is like kind of awkward. And I think it needs to be noted here, like Gatsby's got like all this money, right? But this is like kind of tacky. I don't know. You're like waking up this partier to like play the piano randomly. Um, but he plays the piano and kind of like what's happening here, more importantly, um, are the lyrics to what he's playing the lyrics go like this in the morning, in the evening, ain't we got fun. Then it says outside the wind was loud and there was a faint flow of thunder along the sound. All the lights were going on in East in West egg. Now the electric trains men carrying were plunging through the rain from New York. It was the hour of a profound human change and excitement was generating in the air. And then the songs of the lyrics say once one thing sure and nothing sure the rich get richer and the poor get children. In the meantime, in between time. So in these song lyrics, playing in the background of this romantic moment between Gatsby and Daisy, the song lyrics remind us of two major things. The American dream, which Fitzgerald thinks is really not happening because as he says in the song lyrics, the rich get richer and the poor get children and the concept of time. Okay. Um, Nick says, as I went over to say goodbye, I saw that the expression of bewilderment had come back into Gatsby's face as though a faint doubt had occurred to him as to the quality of his present happiness. Almost five years. There must have been moments even that afternoon when Daisy tumbled short of his dreams, not through her own fault, but because of the colossal vitality of his illusion. So again, he's saying, Nick is commenting like, wow, I bet Daisy didn't even like really live up to what he had been dreaming about her all these years, not through her own fault, just because his dream was so intense. Nick continues to say he had thrown himself into it with a creative passion, adding to it all the time, decking it out with every bright feather that drifted his way. 
No amount of fire or freshness can challenge what a man will store up in his ghostly heart. If that's not one of the most beautiful things you've read today, I don't know what is. And this is really, this is really the essence of Gatsby is he's such a big dreamer. The dream is so huge and it's so powerful and it's so motivating, but that it, that's a complicated thing to dream that big, especially when your dream involves another person. Okay. Um, so Nick, you know, third wheel Nick here decides to leave and he creeps out. Um, and he says, they had forgotten me, but Daisy glanced up and held out her hand. Gatsby didn't know me at all. I looked once more at them and they looked back at me remotely possessed by intense life. Then I went out of the room and down the marble steps into the rain, leaving them there together. You know, if only the book could end right here, guys, we'd have a cute little story on our hands, wouldn't we? But you know what? The book's not going to end right there. And in part, we don't want it to. I mean, the drama's got to unfold, right? This is a sticky situation. She's married. She's got a kid. The year is 1922. Women can't just pack up and leave, especially when they, I mean, does she want to leave? Does she want a divorce time? What would that even look like? What would she lose? So many questions have to be answered. Okay. I hope that helped. I think you guys are great for listening and we're going to start chapter six next week. So do your homework. Email me if you have questions. Office hours are tomorrow from two to three. Bye.